Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Good morning. Everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Good, good, good. Um, can you give the worship team a hand this morning? I mean, I, you know, sometimes when we get into the presence of the Lord, just to be in a place where we can worship and sing praises to God, I really do believe it brings our focus to the King and Kings and Lord of Lords. He ultimately is worthy of all the praise within our hearts. Amen. And it is my honor and opportunity to preach the word this morning. And I have to let you know and give a little disclaimer. Uh, as I've been going through this study in Romans 8, uh, 8 chapter 31, I'm sorry, 8, chapter 8, 31 through 39, <clears throat> as I was going through it, I have to admit, I kind of get a little hype when I read this. I, I kind of get a little expressive, so I hope I don't scare anybody this morning. I, I just feel a little preach come on, and every now and ago, I just got to let it go, right? Yeah? Okay. But, you know, in the past six weeks, we've been going through this rich series in Romans chapter 8. As Pastor Kevin said, one of the greatest chapters in the book of the Bible, what a lot of theologians say is one of the greatest books in the Bible. Why? Because it has to do with a lot of our identity in Christ, Right? There's a lot of things out there that go on in the world where we can identify in different things, but Paul does a great and amazing job led by the Spirit of God to really kind of confirm with us what it means and how it looks like to walk in Christ and abide in Christ. But in this particular part of the text we're going to get into, I can, let me just say, he kind of preaches as, you know, as you read it, right? But in the past six weeks, we... Uh, have been going through a deep, deep teaching. And I want to say thank you, Kevin, for leading us through this teaching. Um, but this week, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And you know how you watch a TV show, right? And you have, uh, just in case you missed last week, you got a recap, you know, those kind of things. And uh, just in case maybe you forgot what happened, you get the recap. But what I'm going to do is recap what we've been going through the past six weeks because I really feel that it enriches what we're going to be going through today. So uh, one of the first statements that Kevin said was, following Jesus isn't about rowing hard, it's about raising sails to catch the fresh wind of God's Spirit. And you know, it, this is the fresh wind we're meant to catch. So in the first week, we talked about self-doubt and guilt may threaten each day, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The second week, we were reminded where our mind sets the most, this is where we end up in our lives. Set your minds on things of the Holy Spirit and be led into life and peace by the Holy Spirit. And week three, uh, we find that if you are in Christ, be killing sin through the Holy Spirit. And week four, we, we were reminded that we are adopted into the family of God through Christ and changes who we are, how we live, and how, where we're headed. And week five, we were taught to groan or lament uh, that things aren't yet as they should be, but they will be when Christ returns. 
And last week, we were reminded as well, and maybe some of us learned for the first time, that through every circumstance of life, God is using all things for your redemption to shape you, make you more like Jesus. So that's what we've been going through these past six weeks. And uh, I have to say that as we've been going, I, I really feel that we ourselves, maybe in our walk at home, when we're dealing with family, I think when we meditate on what's been going on, we can discern that it was really deep. It, it just takes us somewhere. But even as we talk through, I just want to keep that these past six weeks in our mind, especially last week. Because what we're about to head into, Paul is really about to exhort the church, encourage the church right now with this particular part of the text. And as we think through the past six weeks, I want us to start at verse 31 as he starts with this question to the church. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised and who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, we, you, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And can we all just shout, amen. My goodness. Now, I, I tell you what, this one gets me a little hyped because it really talks about how Paul is encouraging the church, how he's calling them to look beyond maybe the struggles and the affliction that they're going through, right? And if we're reminded in ourselves, in our current context of where we live right now, one thing we, uh, actually there's a few things we got to know. A few things we got to know is that we ourselves are going to go through trials and tribulations. We ourselves are going to go through dramatic moments. And as a matter of fact, we may even hear people condemn us with their words. And maybe we, filled with our own self-righteousness, might condemn people with our own very words. But I want to remind everybody in this room today, as Paul is preaching and teaching the church, that if we are subjugated to those particular thoughts and we feel at that moment that nobody's on our side, this is the particular part of the text that reminds us God is with us. Amen? So in this, we understand if we take a look at the first uh, couple of verses here, I'm just going to kind of walk us through. It says in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Meaning what, what, just bringing it down to the point, I want to make sure that you understand where we're about to go. With everything that I've talked about, Paul suggesting to the church, with everything that he talked about to the church, he wants to remind them, if God is for us, who can be 
against us. Meaning through the afflictions, through the pains, through the hurt, through all the things that even Pastor Kevin talked about, through the circumstances of life, that he works all those things for good, for the redemption of us so we can look more like Jesus. We have to remember in everything that we're going through, God is for not only the Roman church, but for us here today. He is for us, but here's one thing that I have to say. If God is for us, Paul then says, who can be against us? Meaning, who has the capacity? Who has the audacity? Who has the authority? Who has this ability to come against the work and the power of God when he's trying to implement and flow things in your life? Who has that ability? Paul is trying to remind the church that at this moment, at this time, even though the surroundings around you, he wants to remind them, hey, nobody has that power or authority to take you down if the almighty creator, God, is on your side, right? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Meaning, you have to remember, even as he is for us, this is how he solidifies he is for us, that he gave his only son. Paul is reminding the church about the love of God, that he gave his only son so that they would be in relationship with the Father. That even through it all, if he was willing to give his only son, how will he not be able, why wouldn't he be able to take you out of the things that you're going through even at this moment. How, why wouldn't he be willing to give you the substance, the confidence, the ability to walk and flow in the life that we, fought, we call Christianity today? He is going to give you what it is you need to abide and walk in him. Amen? And in first, verse 33, it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. It is uh, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us right now. Now, I understand that we have a lot of things out there that can condemn all of us. We might feel a little condemned we may watch certain things on TV and might see that people are condemning one another and calling people unrighteous or unright. And maybe that, you know, through certain things that we even see on social media at times, there are things being displayed where we can say somebody is obviously taking a little too much authority in their own hands to call out somebody, right? But here's what we want to, that Paul's trying to remind everybody in the church because we have to remember in this particular church it is going through trials and tribulations it is going through persecution they do have some things there are some theological debates about how to stand in in the right standing with God how to live and abide in God but Paul is not really trying to uh, you know get himself in this debate but he's really trying to settle this particular debate by letting them understand that guess what it is actually God who justifies. There is nobody, there's nobody anywhere that has this right to condemn or utilize language to bring you to a place where you no longer feel that God is not with you. What he did on the cross, 
solidifies what it is and how we abide. Let's just say, for instance, you know, if we take a court case, I know some of us might watch TV court or something like that, but if we take a court case, for example, and you, let's say you get all your haters and all your opposers, every person that you just feel even hates you to this day or something, let's just say they t start talking to God and say, you know what, this individual, have you not seen how this person used to live their life? Have you not seen what this person talks like? Have you not seen this person doesn't deserve this love? This person doesn't deserve these blessings. This person doesn't, you know, these things tend to happen. But if you're in the courtroom of God, you have to understand this. The one who's interceding on our behalf at this very moment, we have to remember he, by the work that he did on the cross, settles the case for you and myself and make, making sure that those things that we were once engaged in and those things that we were once a part of no longer name us today, right? We have found redemption in him. The work that he did on the cross is just the, the fulfillment that we need to move ourselves forward. Amen. So in them, there's someone always interceding on not only the church that he's speaking to, he's interceding on our behalf at this very moment. So if you've ever found yourself in a place where you feel condemned or feel alone or feel that nobody is with you, nobody is guiding you, you have to remember that God, our Father, he sent his son. He died on the cross for our sins. He, he lived this perfect life that we could not live. And then now he's ascended to heaven, interceding on our behalf, making sure that we understand that the work of the cross settles everything that we have been a part of. And we have to remember this. We, the language that Paul is using is for those who are abiding and walking in Christ, right? We have to remember that these are who walk in Christ. He, Paul is wanting to remind the church, those who are walking, the work was done. Those who are calling you out, remember, the work was done. You know, as we as we kind of walk through some of these things, we have to remember uh, in our own selves that even sometimes, even if we feel that we're at a strong place with the Lord, we even have to be mindful of the things that we say about one another, right? I think not only is this the case where we can look at this and say, you know, God has done a great work in my life, but we have to be mindful of the work that he's doing in other people's lives as well. And remind ourselves not to go there, not to judge, not to condemn, but to remember the power of the cross. To remember what he is able to do, not only in our lives, but somebody else's. And this is something that's so profound. He says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So if we look at verse 35, Paul is really just trying to say to the church, who has this ability to separate you or, or myself from the love of God? Who has that power? Who has that strength? And what he wants to get them is, and then he gives these examples. Can tribulation or distress, can persecution, can famine or nakedness or danger, really, can all the painful moments in your life, 
can that bring you away from the love of God? Or does that mean that God no longer loves you? Uh, can distress or anxiety, is that the thing? Is that the indicator that God no longer loves me or uh, just is mindful of me? Or is the persecution that I'm going through or we're going through, is that the thing that can bring me down and make, make me understand that, hey, God is not with me. He's not on my side. Or famine or shame or danger or the fight. Can any of these things pull us away from the love of God? And then he uses, obviously, Psalm 44, verse 22. He, he describes it, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He's reminding the church that, yes, there are going to be painful moments. There's going to be affliction. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be all of these things. But he wants to really remind the church, not even these things that are causing you worry, causing you doubt, causing you hurt, and causing you pain that can keep you from of God's love. None of these things. But in 37, he says, no, in all these things, we are, can we say it together, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Mm. Now that's preaching words right there. And here's the thing. More than conquer. Sometimes we kind of get caught up in the language. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? I, well, I've got a, a funny illustration. My son Jonah, the youngest, he's six years old. He plays on a soccer team called the Dragons, right? And it was his first soccer game, and he was so excited. I don't know if you've seen uh, Coming to America, but he was like uh, uh, Keem saying, I'm so happy to be here. That's kind of his facial expression. I didn't expect much from this soccer team, I have to admit to you. I thought they were, I didn't know they were, you know, going to do anything. But this particular game, I couldn't help but notice that they went ahead and scored 22 points in soccer. And, you know, the other team, <laughs> the other team only scored two points. And, you know, I have to admit, one of the points, they accidentally kicked it in the wrong goal. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know. I have to admit that I was kind of surprised of how good this team was. And Jonah was just out there saying, yeah, yeah, I'm part of this. And, you know, <laughs> even as he was a part of it, I understand even if he was alone, he couldn't win this game alone, right? He was with a team. He was with a great team. And even though this team was doing everything they could and they scored 22 points, you still had the adversary team that was doing their best to score as many points as them, right? But they couldn't because they were outmatched in every single corner. They were outclassed in every single dribbling that they did across the, the field, right? So they were just outmatched. They were overwhelmed, and the dragons overcame the other team. And it's kind of like us in our particular circumstances and situations in life. It may look like the other team might be scoring some points, but we have to remember if God Almighty is on our side, we have somebody on our side that's given us the ability to outmatch anything that comes our way. Now, I, I, you know what? I think we need a better amen. Hey, amen? Okay. So, 
I just want to remind us that there is a great source, a great power, a great friend, a great God that is living inside of us who's helping us go against the, the grain, the enemies of our soul. And for some of us, maybe we're living a great life and maybe we don't assume that we do have any enemies or adversaries. But even if we're living that great life and we don't see people coming at us like that, we don't have any haters or anything, we do have to remember that there is an enemy of our soul called the devil who tries to oppose everything that that God is trying to do, but even if he comes against you, even if he tries to commit to these heinous things against us, he himself is outclassed by the God we serve, right? So we have to remember that as we move forward in our faith, as we move forward, that there is, there is a certainty in the strength of God, the God that we serve. He is our powerful friend, a powerful source. He is the one who loves us through it all. But even as this, and we look in verse 38 here, he says, for I am sure. And I like the word sure. And the, because Paul is just saying, I am certain. I am confident. I believe with every ounce in my being that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord nothing for some of us who've been walking this life and have felt the opposing side trying to come against us I want to remind all of us even those who are in the fight right now nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you ever fell into that temptation, because we have to admit there is a temptation to feel that God is not with us when we're going through all the things that we can possibly go through. That's a temptation thought. But I want to remind us this morning, those things cannot separate us from God's love. We have to be reminded what we were stated, to, stated by last week, that he is working all things, all things, for good to those who love him, for those who abide in him, for those who are walking in the, that fresh wind, walking the direction in that path. We have to understand that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. You know, as we walk and talk through Romans 8, there are a few thoughts that I, that came to my heart as I was studying through this, and I think that it's going to be uh, very helpful to us. It's one of those things where, you know, um, kind of like a few weeks ago when the Holy Spirit activated, I did the little clap dance like the, the woman, you know. So when the Holy Spirit activated, <laughs> he started speaking, right? But as he spoke, there's a few things that I just want to make sure that we understand through this particular text. Kind of apply it here. But the first thought is this. God is not unsure of us. One thing we truly need to remember as we read this text is God is not unsure of us. He's not unsure of you. Why? Paul states it in the, he is for you. 
He is with you. As long as we are headed the direction that he's calling us to, he is sure of you. So if we ever get into this place that we do feel alone, that we do feel that we're full of doubt or full of angst, or maybe that life is hitting us in such a way that we don't think that he's on our side, I want to remind you, he is sure of you. So sure that in the second thought, that he's not, God is not stingy with his love. So we have to know that God is not stingy with his love. He loved us so much that he gave his son for us. That is a love deeper than anything that we could ever imagine. To give your very own son for all those who sometimes get out of order at times. Who sometimes do things that don't match the path that he's calling us to. Who sometimes we as a, the, the, get involved in our own lives and maybe don't listen as much as we should. He's still sure of us. Even when we have fallen short, even when we have messed up from time to time, as long as we are connected and going the direction and are in Christ, he is not stingy with his love. He is going to give you the ability to, to walk in the path that he's called you to. He is going to give you the strength and the endurance to keep moving. And as we talked about, you know, how God justifies, how he intercedes on our behalf, that, you know, there's no one who can condemn, we have to remember this, God has the final say on behalf of our spiritual case. We have to remember, like I said, if there was a court case, we have to remember it is God who ultimately has the final say it's not the individual that we might see on social media talking about us. It may not be the painful moments that we see in our life that are going on. It is not those moments where we are in a circle of people and they say you're just not good at anything in life. It's not that person who has the final say. It's not those individuals that can say, hey, you, I don't know if you're going to make it to the kingdom of God, you know, those kind of things. It is God who has the final say on your spiritual case. And I think this is the one that hits us a lot, and it's the forethought. No evil, no shame, no power, or no pain will ever conquer the work or plan God is doing in our lives. There's no evil, no shame, no power, or no pain that will be able to conquer the work that God is doing, the plan that he's working out in our life. Like I said, as we look at this, Paul is really trying to drive the point home that we have a God who loves us. And I think sometimes the confusing times can be, I'm going through so much affliction right now that I can no longer see how he could. I am going through so much pain that I can no longer feel a connection to who he is at this moment. People have looked at me a certain way 
and there is no way God could love somebody like me because you see how these individuals talk about me. I am going through so much in life right now that I just feel ousted by God. The pain is just so unbearable. But Paul is trying to reassure the church, even through all the pain, even through all the affliction, even through all the condemning conversations, even through anything that you are going through, God loves you. And that can never, ever be shaken. He loves you. And in this, in this understanding, we have to remember his love is unbreakable. And I understand sometimes the temptation is to think that it is unbreakable because we look at the separation of ourselves sometimes with God and because we're looking about how we love God through some of the mistakes that we've made, some of the issues that we personally have, sometimes we're like, you know what, man, I, I, I don't have it all together, so there's just no way that he could love me. It's like even in those moments, even when I'm flaky with my love, God's love is unbreakable. He has sustained us. He is steadfast in his love. He is consistent. There is no one who will love you greater. There is no one who will love you deeper. There is no one who will take heed to your need more so than the one that we serve. There is one that we can call upon and his name is Jesus. In every single corner that we go, we have to remember that he is with us. We have to remember even when we're going through some tough moments, he is with us. We have to remember when family is going through some tough moments, we have to remember he is with us and his love is with us. We have to remember when we're feeling a little sick and maybe sometimes the sickness might be more so than others, we have to remember that God loves us even through the midst of the sickness. We have to remember that even if we're in a community or an environment where people in leadership or rulers are over us and they don't seem like they're for us, we have to remember that God is for us. We have to remember that he ultimately is guiding us, walking us, and leading us towards the plan and purpose that he has grafted for every single single one of us. It is by his power, it's by his love that we're all going to be able to see that any situation, any evil that comes against us, we will be able to overcome. We will be more than conquerors in him who loves us. Can we say amen to that? So what do we do with this then? I think sometimes the question is, what then do we do with this understanding? Because at the end of the day, this is not about how we love God. This is not talking about how we love him. This has everything to do with how God loves us, right? So what do we do now that we understand and maybe we receive his love? What do we say about it now? Well, this is one thing that we have to get in our hearts and our mindsets is this, that he loves us so much so that maybe we can be that same representation to people who are around us, right? Not only are we going to not condemn people, we are going to figure out how to love through even some of the most painful moments, un undescribable moments in their life. We have to be this representation in this world. That's how 
we not only need to receive, but this is what we can also take. So you have to understand, even me, who, who goes to different, little, different nations and has conversations. You want to know one of the, the, the stingers, as I some have gone to Uganda or some other countries, they always look at the United States as the one that is loved because they have so much. But here's one thing that I have to make sure to say because the gospel is beyond not only the nation that we live in, it is transcended to all nations around the world as even in the midst of their, their poverty that they are going through, even in the midst of the, the governments that they live in, even in the midst of the situations that they're in, God still loves them. And it is my job, it is our job to continue to fulfill the mission that he has called us to do, to share what he's giving to us, to share with the rest of the world. Amen? May it not just stay with us, but may this message go out. May we remember, even through all the afflictions that we see people going through, the reminder is God loves them. God is with them. Do you guys receive that this morning? Do you really receive that this morning? Because I think one of the things is some of us might be going through some pain right now. Some of us are conflicted about a message like this because of some of the things that we're going through. But the reminder is this. He does love you. And even if the pain and the suffering and the affliction is not going away right now, it doesn't mean that he's not working. And even though you are in the midst, some of us right now, that are going through some of the deepest, darkest things that you've ever gone through in your life, does not mean that you will not be more than a conqueror. You will be. Why? Because his word says so. So let's, say, let's stand firm on this word. Let's stand firm on this proclamation given to the Romans by Paul. Let's stand firm in this. There is no one who loves you more and loves you greater than the Lord Jesus Christ and our God. Can we pray together? Father, right now we do thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all the things that you're doing in our hearts right now. But as this message is also for believers, I just even pray for those who may not either be believers at this moment, who are not, who don't see themselves maybe connected with you. I just pray that this is an open opportunity, an open conversation that as they come to know you, Lord, this is how you will love. This is how you will love them. I pray for all those who are also going through affliction and trouble, going through doubt right now, going through confused moments. And I just ask, Father, that this word remain true, that through it all, that because you are on our side, because you do love us so much, because you gave your son for us, Lord, that you will give us the ability to be more than conquerors, 
through all the things that are going on. For any person that feels like an outcast or ousted because of what they might, might be going through, or maybe because of the pain that they just have received in life, I ask that your holy presence would begin to comfort them with this word. Comfort all those who are feeling lonely. Comfort all of them who are feeling afflicted. Comfort everybody who's going through suffering and sickness and pain. Cover all of those who are outside of these four walls. Those who are abiding in you, walking in you, I just ask, Lord, that you be with us. Those who are online watching right now, I just ask, Father, that you begin to minister to every single person, no matter where they're at, and remind them you're with them, you're for them, you love them. We thank you, Lord, that we have assurance that your love is not breakable. It cannot break. We thank you, Lord, for your consistency, your steadfast love, and how you have committed yourself to us. It's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Say amen.